0: Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am drinking a Deschler. It's kind of a variation on a Manhattan, and it a little bit sort of rhymes with Daimler. Oh. Uh, Yeah, that's as close as I can get tonight. How about you? I am having a blackberry mojito. We went to the
1: farmer's market today and got some fresh fruit and uh, decided to have a fun summery drink. Oh, you got your muddle on? got the muddle on, got some fresh mint in there, blackberry, fresh lime, and uh, some Bacardi rum. So
0: it's good. 10 good buddy.
1: <laughs> Pretty good. So today uh, I thought we could chat a little bit more about The Tesla semi and sort of the background on semi trucks, and just sort of I can speak for myself and uh, maybe you'll chime in. I did not know very much about semis uh, up until this week. I've been doing a lot more research on them to try and get more educated on the market for semis and tractor trailers. And it's definitely, I learned a lot this week. So hopefully, we can share some of that with the audience and help provide some context for what Tesla might be able to contribute to the uh, semi
0: world. Awesome. Uh, so this is going to be sort of our first drill into the master plan part. two. Yeah, exactly. Since, yeah, I,
1: I think for me at least the semi revelation was the most revelatory for me. I wasn't expecting uh, Tesla to get into wanting to do semis. I didn't know how big a market it was. I didn't know they had someone on their team who had helped create one of the best selling semi truck programs of all time. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like such a different audience since they've been focused on consumers. So, um, wanted to understand it more. So that's sort of what we want to
0: tackle, uh, tackle on this episode. Excellent. So what did you learn about, uh, about the state of the semi industry? So the first thing is that it's pretty young. Um,
1: so in the U S trucking really started taking off during world war one um, with the construction of paved roads. So it's an important precursor. It is important, but you know, before paved roads, you can't really have a very large trucking industry. Um, so that's sort of in the 1930s trucks started becoming a, a, a mode of transport for goods, um, separate from rail, um, which was sort of the predominant one. But as you can imagine, if you don't live near a railroad station, uh, or or railroad doesn't go through your town, it's going to be much more expensive to get goods to you. So that, that sort of was the state of the art of just smaller trucks um, from the 30s till around the late 50s. And in the U.S. in the 1956, we passed the Interstate Highway System Bill, which was the foundation for our massive highway infrastructure going coast to coast and north, south and south and um, really uh, laying the foundation for both consumers to go all across the country. But I think even more importantly for goods uh, to be transported by, by trucks and so it, th- within about 15, 20 years, it became the dominant uh, freight uh, method. Uh, so trucking became uh, massively much larger than train um, and certainly air and, and has remained much larger than air and, and, by, and boat as well. So, um, you know, I guess, what is
0: that, uh, f- 56 years or so in the making? Um, and is this uh, the sort of thing where trucks would be, delivering things from one coast to the other, or is it more of a trains might take it on a route from one coast to the other, and then trucks will sort of disperse the, the last mile or, or the more local delivery?
1: Yeah. So, uh, that was the other interesting thing is that not many goods actually travel coast to coast, uh, by truck. Uh, if it's that large of a, a raw material that needs to be transported, um, they will. They usually go by rail. So rail tends to cover like grain and a lot of uh, livestock feed, agricultural, uh, bare like uh, raw minerals and raw materials, sand, gravel, uh, iron ore, stuff like that. Um, and then trucks are, are the average truck distance, uh, is around 500 miles. So, um, most truck trips are, are, are going from sort of a hub and spoke model from, um, you know, major, major, uh, manufacturing hubs throughout the U S out and about. And also another huge one more, more recently as globalization has taken over and shipping has become so large going from the port of Los Angeles is a huge, uh, tractor trailer, Uh, nexus uh, and then also on the east coast for some of the shipping uh, from europe Um, but uh, yeah trucking is is not usually used for total cross-country unless it's for like ups and fedex type uh, consumer packages Uh, but because so much of manufacturing is now sort of this just-in-time method where you want to have your manufacturing very close to where your suppliers are there's lots of trucking happening for that um, short distances and then another huge component of trucking uh, and billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars is is moving food around. So, um, you know, moving food from California around the country, um, but it'll go to distribution centers and then be, be moved further. Uh, and then the other really big one is um uh, health supplies. So you know, hospitals are being restocked by trucks. Uh, fast food restaurants are being restocked by trucks. Uh, all, almost every every retail store is being restocked. Uh, Starbucks is being restocked by tractor trailers. So it's just a, 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 a this sort of permeates everything, uh, and every sort of good that you have in your home has probably been on a truck, um, and every good in your local Walmart was on a truck. So. pretty much everything that we buy and own has been on a truck at some point. And so that's sort of the impact of uh, what Tesla Semi could uh, bring to bear is basically cargo um, in the U S at least is extremely truck heavy. And so that means that every item you buy is also now currently going in a very low, uh, low, low, low mile per gallon truck uh, diesel burning mechanism. So every good has this carbon tax, essentially, you know, deficit, that uh, if it was a clean electric truck, um, there wouldn't be that
0: penalty of um, more carbon being burned to get that item to you. So, and you mentioned that being the, the US story, is that similar to what the story is elsewhere in the world? Yeah, it's actually even more trucking uh, elsewhere because of
1: uh, Europe and uh, the just an even larger landmass. So Europe to Asia, landmass is contiguous. <laughs> so uh, trucking is, is even larger outside the U.S. Um, and um, and even to the point where the amount of trucking, uh, Tonnage that a truck can carry is higher in the UK. Uh, the tonnage a truck can carry in Australia is higher. So the US is actually pretty restrictive on on some of our our rules around trucking. Um, much more of the co- other countries uh, are actually even more sort of favorable to trucking. It's even bigger part of their uh, way that they move items around. Um, so yeah, trucking is huge globally as well. I think today we'll focus more on US just since that's a little bit closer to, to our, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, innate knowledge we have about it. <laughs> and, uh, also, um, m- most of the, uh, many of the trucking manufacturers are here in the U S. Um, there are some international ones, but, um, the majority of trucks, even semis sold for other countries are coming from here. So, um, the market is definitely quite large here as well. Um, and, and also I think one of the sort of just sort of sense of scale. So about 10 billion or so tons of freight annually in the U S is moved around through trucks. Um, and there's about 3 million semi trucks. And, um, I learned a new classification. So those, those are called class eight trucks. So the 18 wheelers are class eight Um, different levels of commercial trucks have different, um, classifications, both for the certification you need to drive them, but also for different regulations around how heavy they can be, um, when you can drive them, but class eight trucks, there's nearly 3 million of them, uh, in the fleet. So that compares to hundreds and hundreds of millions of passenger cars. So much, much smaller total footprint of, of uh, vehicles, but extremely high
0: amount of, uh, miles. And yeah, they probably sit idle a lot less than the passenger vehicles do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Only, only about, um, 29% of the time, uh, is a, is a truck driving around without a load on it. Um, so, you know, even when they're driving, they're at almost at 70% efficiency of, of transporting goods. So, um, you know, truck, truck companies and independent truck owners work really hard to make sure that when they're driving those, they're driving them with goods and they're, they're making money. And I think that's sort of one of the other really big sort of light bulb moments for me in just thinking about the, uh, how, how this semi could be useful for, for Tesla is that, um, the, the people who are, are buying these trucks are, are buying them not because they're flashy or because they're fast or because they're exciting, um, a lot of the characteristics that people have been buying Teslas today, but because they are a lower cost of ownership. And we'll get to more of that. But essentially, just really trying to make sure that uh, every mile they drive is as low cost as possible because that directly impacts their profit because um, it's a commodity uh, to, to move goods and services around. And so if you have a lower price, uh, you're going to get more business. And so they think of their truck as part of their business and not, um, you know, where we think about buying a, an Audi or Lexus and, you know, we might be comparing the sound system, not necessarily thinking about the total cost of ownership over its lifetime. Uh, and, and obviously semis are, are considered much more of a business asset than a personal asset in
0: that way. Yeah. I mean, everyone loves the uh, free shipping, right? Like that's the big, the big draw. If you have Amazon prime or, or if you, uh, if you order from companies like Wayfair or any of these other places that advertise free shipping. Yeah, exactly. So
1: the, the amount of, of, uh, ground shipping that's happening to accommodate those and, and FedEx and UPS are, are some of the largest, uh, fleet owned semi truck companies and then folks like Walmart uh obviously ha- have their own trucks and then many of their suppliers have their own trucks as well that have to bring those goods to the warehouses for Amazon and so um as as more and more uh people are buying things online uh the the goods still have to get to the distribution center so trucking miles continue to increase um even in the in the context of an uh, e-commerce world so it doesn't there's no sort of prediction that um, truck miles decrease in the short term or even medium term from what I could find. So, um, you know, some people would say like, oh, well, if we're buying everything online and it's coming by drone, then trucks are going to go down. But the the type of work that semis are doing, um, that kind of work is, is, um, is not decreasing. Um, it's pretty, pretty linked to just general consumption patterns. So, um, consumption may shift from Walmart to Amazon, but it doesn't fundamentally change the, uh, truck miles being driven
0: so is there any other or any current truck companies that are doing any sort of electric trucks i'm assuming every every truck i've seen is is a diesel vehicle and um so i guess i'm wondering would tesla be a complete trailblazer here where they would be the first company to do a fully electric tractor well, not tractor trailer, but just the tractor part of the tractor trailer, the, the semi. Um, or is there some sort of uh, electric or hybrid or, or some sort of more advanced than diesel uh, manufacturer right now? So I couldn't find any announcements from any of the major players for
1: electrified um trucks uh tesla has worked with daimler on a a van a a multi-person van concept um to provide the power uh infrastructure for so the the battery packs and and motors um but that was a while ago and then there is uh one or two companies that are startups one of them i think is called like nicola which is trying to sort of play off the tesla uh juice and they're they're (laughs) trying to make a, a a semi Um, so they're a startup trying to do a semi, and then there's a former Tesla employee who is doing an electric garbage truck, uh, startup.
0: That's pretty glamorous. Yeah.
1: Neither of those seem to have released product yet. Um, and so they're, they're still early. It's not as if they've been going for a crazy long time and haven't released. It's just, they're pretty new. Um,
0: so there's the, um, the former Google person people are doing, um, Is that just self-driving though, the auto, the, that truck company?
1: Yeah, I think that's just, I think that's just self-driving technology to retrofit onto existing semis. Um, Okay. One of the things that's important to note as well is semi trucks can go for many millions of miles of useful life. Like 1.5 million or so is sort of their
0: expected. Um, They can go for even longer though. What does that like work out to in, in like calendar time? Like how, how long is, does that last?
1: Maybe like eight years, nine years. Okay. So they, they're, they could easily drive a hundred, 200,000 miles a year. And one of the other things that's, that's interesting about that is that, uh, obviously the, um, the wear and tear on, and sort of the, the robustness of the engine and, uh, the transmissions and all this, especially under so much weight, that, that is a really important part and the maintenance of these things is really, really critical. And so one of the challenges of, of a lot of these fleets of, of trucks is that as they start to get a little bit older, they start to become really expensive to repair. And we know that one of the inherent benefits for a Tesla uh, is that because there's so much fewer moving parts um, and they are a lot simpler just overall machines, that uh, repairability and maintenance should be much lower. So as we get to sort of some of the benefits, that's definitely one of the, one of the big ones is that, uh, the cost of ownership can go down just because you don't have to spend as much money repairing the darn
0: thing. Um, because it would be that just the engine though, right? Like everything else would be the same, like some sort of air suspension or air brakes, like all of that stuff would be the same. It would just be removing the diesel engine in favor of the electric motor. Well, and also
1: the transmission could become much simpler. Um, oh right, yeah. Right now, so some some stats that I learned that I thought was kind of cool. Um, so most modern uh, semis are actually automatics these days. Really, they used to all be manuals, yeah. And um, they're they're between ten and fourteen gears. Um, so really, really high number of gears, and that most of the engines are actually. Uh, how much horsepower do you think is in one? Did you see the stats before that I shared in the notes? I, I did, so my oh, okay. guess would
0: be my guess would be tainted.
1: Okay, so I was expecting that these things because they're huge engines. They weigh like over over one and a half tons, so like twenty five hundred pounds, twenty seven hundred pounds. These engines are massive engines. I thought they were beasts, but they're not. They're like five hundred horsepower. And, but what they are is they're 1500 pound feet of torque, but the, the pound feet of torque is at like the 1500 RPM range, 2000, 1500, 2000 RPM. So they have so many gears, uh, similar to what a lot of the like passenger cars are doing to really try and eke out more efficiency, um, both efficiency and just like the ability to
0: actually tow the 50,000 tons, uh, right, 50,000 pounds with the the fossil fuel engine, there's a small part of their RPM band where they like reach maximum efficiency. So if you can keep it in that with, I I think with the semis, you said it was like around a thousand to 1500, a thousand to 2000, maybe. Yep, yep. So if you're looking at that bell curve, you want to like stay right there. That's why you're switching gears so that you can keep every gear in that one little power range. Yep.
1: So they have, they have a lot of gears and so the Teslas may be able to have a lot fewer Um, I do think they'll need some, um, but, uh, they'll, they'll be able to have fewer gears. So the gearboxes should be simpler. Um, and then, yeah, I think most of the other, most of the other components, um, would be pretty similar. Um, and then the other kind of interesting thing about them is that, uh, the actual sort of tonnage of the uh, vehicle, like the actual trailer, um, those things can be like, uh, let's see, what was it? I think it was like 30 tons. Um. So, thirty tons for the tractor. Yeah, yeah, the tractor can can weigh thirty tons. So that's sixty thousand. No, sorry, yeah, sixty thousand pounds, um, which is huge. So like the average Tesla is like six thousand pounds, five thousand pounds. Um, so ten times heavier. Um, so so that uh, and a lot of that weight is the actual um, is the engine, but all the framing to like make this thing strong enough to pull uh, potentially. 40,000, they can, they can go up to 80, 80, um, 80 tons. So that's sort of the legal limit in the U S is 80 tons all in with stuff in them. So you've got 50 tons of, of room to tow in a 30 ton, uh, truck. So that's sort of the kind of size we're talking about. And then the other kind of interesting thing is that the average, uh, miles per gallon, uh, of the fleet is around five miles per gallon, newer trucks are in the seven to 10 miles per gallon range. Um, and so these things have 200 gallon tanks. They can go around 1400, 1300 miles per complete tank. Um, and, um, many of them are, uh, sleeper cabs and, you know, the truck driver, at least in the U S the, the regulations are pretty strict. You can only drive for 11 hours straight. Uh, You have to take a 30 minute break and then you have to uh, not be driving actively. You need to rest for 10 hours.
0: It's crazy that that's strict. I mean, that's a long amount of time to be sitting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I was just, it it felt like, um, I I just didn't know that there was a limit. I, I thought
0: it was sort of, you know, whatever you want to drive, you can drive. And yeah, we saw that recently with the, uh, when the, tractor trailer truck almost killed uh, the comedian Tracy Jordan in New Jersey, I think it was. Yeah. Uh where it was like a, I think a Walmart driver that had been driving for a long time and kind of dozed off or wasn't paying attention and plowed his tractor trailer right into the back of the limousine. Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. And sorry the um uh yeah, it's uh, you have to rest for 10 hours. Um and so the the kind of interesting thing there is that with 11 hours of actual driving time, you have to have the truck sitting around for a while. Um, and many of the truck drivers are independent uh, businesses. They're sort of one one man, one woman shows. Um, and so they're just sort of one person. Um, and uh, and so that truck needs to be sitting around either at a truck stop or um, they, they actually are not doing super long overnight tr- uh, trips. They're driving to the place And then some other driver will come and take that trailer or pick up a different trailer and they'll sleep. So um, there's sort of this built in time actually to do the charging, which I was trying to figure out when do you charge these things? You do battery swap. And it seems like you actually uh, just charging, charging the batteries will make more sense. So you recharge the batteries while you're recharging the humans. Yeah. And also, one of the interesting things, too, is that one of the challenges with uh, trucks was that um, many of the truck drivers would idle all night um, to when they were sleeping at these truck stops to power their rig um, so so they could cook, and they could watch TV, and all this stuff, and not drain the battery, since the batteries aren't massively bigger. Um, and so they've now started electrifying most truck stops. So similar to what you would do as a boat owner, when you get to the marina, you'd plug in. Um, so now the trucks are plugging in, even though they're not electric tr- uh, trucks, um, because they don't want to have to idle
0: and waste fuel. So it's more like an RV at that point?
1: Yeah, it's more like an RV. But what's interesting then is is that truck stops actually have more electrification uh, than I thought. Um, obviously, it's not high enough amperage. Um to, to handle the type of load that you need for superchargers yet. Um, but that, that, um, truck stops are there to serve truck drivers and they are pretty responsive to what they need. Um, so I think that, uh, my expectation of how do you solve the charging problem? Cause you can't have a semi pulling into the mountain view, uh, you know, computer history museum. That's just, going to take up all the stalls. It's not going to like work. I like to see
0: that though. that, w- that would make an entertaining YouTube video. Yeah,
1: I mean I think that would uh someone someone may try it if the if it's the same supercharger cable. Um but it's sort of interesting to think about how that will work and I uh in discovering that the truck stops already have this sort of relationship with uh the truck drivers to help them reduce their costs and that they um sort of can charge rent to sort of be there through the showers and uh, and all the fuel they're making and selling, um, that there's so much diesel fuel being sold, uh, to truck drivers that, uh, if it does transition to electric to some degree, I think the truck stops will, um, will start allowing them to charge there. And you could charge easily at a supercharger speed, fill up, uh, the type of amount of energy you would need, um, in, in that amount of time.
0: So do you think it's the, electrification of the semi truck that makes it interesting to Tesla or do you think it's the autonomous driving like is it is it the do they think that there's a path forward just offering like electric essentially electric freight liners or whatever or is it that it is a uh, future play for like these autonomous vehicles that could drive the cargo from one point to the other yeah I think that it is um I think it's both. I think that even
1: now uh, with autopilot, there is a case to be made that it will be safer. And so I think if you're so one of the one of the other stats that really blew me away was that um, that driving a truck is uh, is 12 percent of the uh, total of work related deaths come from truck drivers in the US and that uh, statistically it's five times more likely to die as a truck driver than the average job um, from OSHA. So choosing to be a truck driver puts you at much, much higher risk of death than, uh, most jobs you could, could have in the U.S. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. It's so much higher. And so we have millions of truck drivers who are at much higher risk
0: of death than other, other, uh, occupations and truck driving, as we talked about during our, one of our autopilot episodes is like the number one profession in like a majority of, of U.S. states, right? Yeah, like twenty-seven like 20, 20 or twenty-eight. Something. Yeah,
1: exactly. So there's tons of states where there are, are people who are ninety percent of truck owner of of um, truck drivers who are doing it professionally own their own trucks, and so they're running it as a small business. And so, and also because they have to buy new trucks every decade, they have to buy something new. So I think that from Tesla's point of view it's both going to be much safer so even with autopilot um, you're going to need an operator in there so the truck drivers are going to be are are going to want to drive a safer truck as well as um, drive a truck that's lower cost of ownership and one of the one of the other big things we discovered in the research was that over half the cost of owning and operating a semi is the fuel cost um, that the actual truck cost is, is a much smaller percentage of the total cost of ownership. And so when you can go from expensive diesel fuel to inexpensive electricity, especially if you're charging at night, then uh, over the lifetime of a truck, you could be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because uh, even though the truck may cost another fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars up front, these trucks cost a hundred and fifty thousand dollars new, anyways. So most of the time, they're actually being financed, and so that finance payment, uh, that lease payment, that loan payment, um, the the higher incremental cost that it may be from a Tesla truck, because there is going to be a little bit higher cost, we, I would expect, because of the battery, similar to what we're seeing with the all the other Tesla vehicles being slightly more expensive than their
0: counterparts. Sure. I mean, even, even if they can get it down a little bit, they'll still be new and they won't have the sort of scale that other companies would. So no matter yeah. what, it's going to be more expensive.
1: Exactly. And so there's around a hundred 100, uh, or so new trucks sold in the U S uh, these class, class eight trucks. Um, so there's actually, it's about, it's like a little bit smaller than the, the same, the market that the model S is in. Um, so production wise, obviously they're much larger vehicles to make. Um, but the, the scope of, of production, if Tesla gets anywhere close to the same percentage that they're getting on model S and I, I would doubt they'll get that much, um, then production wise, this isn't going to be that big of a, a volume for them. Um, where they produce it's an interesting question. What line do they spin up a new factory? So those are big questions. but uh, yeah, back to your original question, I think that the safety aspect's really big. and I think that the from Tesla's point of view, they want the sustainable transport and sustainable energy uh, as, as their goal. and that uh, a huge amount of, of um, fossil fuel uh, burning trucks coming off the road uh, advances that mission and um, certainly, will touch a lot of people because even if only five or 10% of the trucks are, are Tesla's, um, that's still a lot of goods that are now being transported every single year that are, are no longer being transported by diesel burning trucks. Um, and I think that much like, uh, the power, power packs and, um, sort of for, for utilities that once you can show that the total cost of ownership of a truck, is lower than its, uh, ICE comparison, internal combustion engine one, uh, I think you'll have a lot of people switching because they're, they're business people. And and that was the other thing. When I was researching the, uh, Freightliner, um, and one of the most popular trucks there, the Cascadia, looking at their promotional materials and their PDFs and brochures, they're always talking about trying to reduce the total cost of ownership through more efficient engines. And, uh, you know, less, uh, less stops for repairs and longer, longer running parts and, uh, just more fuel efficiency and just all to how you reduce the cost of owning this, this thing and also making it more convenient for the, for the driver. Um, so both of those facets, I think Tesla is going to have really strong, uh, and en- you know, reasons to enter it. Um, so I don't think it's a vanity thing at all because it's not very sexy to do trucks. So I think they have to have really good uh, sort of physics reasons to enter the truck market.
0: I mean, from what you've laid out, it, it, it sounds like their pitch is more compelling towards the large corporations that employ or contract out to various drivers currently. Um, cause if, as I'm thinking about it, to, to, if you're a single owner and you're, you're investing a, a, a ton of money into this one vehicle that you're going to use to drive loads around, convincing one of those people to go with this new drive platform and then have to worry about where can I charge? And, you know, if I can't go into supercharging stations, it feels like there's a whole uh, lot of exposure there to different costs and different problems. Whereas if you're more of a fleet person, if you're looking at it from a, a business perspective who has a lot, a lot of vehicles it seems to make more sense there where you can actually uh, sort of average the cost of your charging over the number of vehicles that you have, uh, installing the charging stations wherever you might be driving your vehicles. And then the autopilot is also very, very attractive to to you at that point, because then you actually cut out the labor and the wages uh, portion of the equation, which is right around equal to what the fuel is. Um, so it, it doesn't seem like it's as compelling of a, of a value prop of a, of a sales pitch to the single owner, occupier driver type business, but it seems like it's a lot more compelling to like a UPS or an old dominion or a Walmart or one, another like company that deals at scale.
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's probably right. I feel like some of the challenges. So once you, once Tesla makes the vehicle, And it most likely will have a higher sticker price than a comparable, uh, semi truck. So they need to, um, make the pitch for why it financially makes sense. So you need to be, uh, they need to be able to make that pitch to you. But I think you're right that the charging infrastructure is going to be a challenge, um, that if you're a driver and you're willing to do long haul trips across the country and to sort of semi random places, uh, you don't want to be worrying about where you're going to be able to charge. Uh, And if you'll be able to charge, because if you're not driving, you're not making money and you can't be late. Um, So if you have to detour and it takes you a lot longer, you know, your cost per mile now has gone up um, because you had to take this circuitous route. So I think that certainly for truckers who uh, are in these sort of 500 or mile or less loops and sort of they're only driving in L.A., they go from the port to certain local distributions and they never really do overnight trips that could make sense. And they're like, well, there, there are enough chargers. I know how it works. Um, and there'll be certain areas, similar to what happened with electric cars in the beginning. You know, there's certain areas where there's enough density of chargers and for the type of driving you do on most cases, it's fine. But I do think for the fleets, It'll be easier for them if they're buying ten new trucks a year uh, to to start putting in one Tesla and uh, and sort of try it out. And I think one of the other big things that we learned this week um, after the announcement was that the guy who's running it, uh, Jerome guy, um <laughs> is G U uh, I L G U I L E. I'm pretty sure he's French. Um, is actually his in a former life he ran at Daimler the Freight Line. Uh, program for the Cascadia, which was actually the uh, best-selling semi-truck in the market today. So he was the program director for that. And then at Tesla, he helped on the Model S as a program director from 2010 to 2013. Uh, And then he helped on the sales stuff. And then he took a leave of absence for a while. But he came back uh, recently and uh, Elon revealed on Twitter um, that he's running the the Semi program and uh, in a tweet. And he said, uh, I quote, Jerome is driving Tesla Semi and doing a great job with his team. At Daimler, he led their most successful Semi truck program ever. So, uh, this guy clearly understands the semi market has built the most successful, uh, semi truck program, uh, that had ever happened. And so he definitely understands the market will understand sort of the physical dynamics that are needed for the truck and the seller and buyer personas. Cause it's clearly very different than, you know, you or I going in and wanting to take a look at the model three or maybe the model X. Um, <laughs> so I think that gives me a lot more confidence that, uh, They have a shot since they have someone who's has a lot of experience in this. It seems like one where you really do want a lot of experience um, since it's it's not something you encounter on a day-to-day buying basis.
0: Yeah, I I think it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. uh, uh, If it is a matter of shifting from this independent contractor type driver model into more of a autonomous fleet model. Uh, again, it's always the autonomy stuff that that I find the most interesting, uh, especially when you get into this sort of thing where you've got an entrenched industry, you've got, it's like we say, it's the leading uh, occupation in the majority of U.S. states, and uh, you've got a, a heavily unionized thing, too. You could imagine you know, what, if the Teamsters get it in their mind to start sabotaging autonomous vehicles, like what could, what could happen there? Um, you can get into sort of, if you're a Vonnegut fan, you can get into sort of a, a player piano, uh, type situation, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, so you could imagine, uh, the, the companies involved wanting some sort of autonomous vehicles and dealing with more of dealing with it as more of a, air traffic control type situation, moving their vehicles around. Whereas the, uh, the actual people, the actual humans involved, uh, have very different, uh, goals. Well, and certainly I think
1: one of the other big things as the autonomy comes up is that Tesla may not be selling to the same people they've been selling to before. Um, and, and it really depends on when this thing launches, they say they want to unveil it next year. Um, so that's, you know, six months to to
0: 18 months from when we record. And does unveil mean just show a model or actually have it available for sale? Exactly. I, I mean, they certainly,
1: I mean, showing it off and then it could be anywhere from a year to many years from when they actually ship it. So if they, if they ship it and it's not fully autonomous, then they have to most likely sell into the existing infrastructure. And I think it goes back to your point of going into fleets, but they mentioned in their post that they intend for all Tesla vehicles to be fully autonomous. So the truck is, is no different there. Um, and so at at some point they may be selling to the companies that traditionally don't even have trucks on their own because managing a fleet of trucks, and managing uh, the drivers and the logistics of it to make sure you're utilizing it well uh, is something you usually would want to outsource. But it may be the case that if you are, um, you may actually want to own your own semi as a, as a business at this point in the future because you can have it driving for you all the time and there's no person there. It's just the truck and Tesla will service it. Um, and, and also you'd expect there to be many new trucking companies that spin up that are just managing their fully autonomous fleet and sort of don't have the legacy, uh, infrastructure and costs of, of traditional
0: shipping companies. So it, (laughs) well, the drug running industry just got a lot simpler too.
1: Sure. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, yeah. And, and also like, yeah, the, just sort of the, uh, the, the danger aspect of it, um, and sort of the fatigue and challenge of it. Um, so it's really interesting. And certainly Tesla is now in the future, they're, they're setting themselves up for another PR problem with trying to destroy, uh, this massive set of jobs and they're going to be taking it on the chin, uh, no doubt for, <laughs> for doing it.
0: And interestingly, the the uh, fatality uh, equation kind of flips a little bit here, where when you're in a Model S or an X or or certainly a Model 3, you're in a smaller vehicle. And it's more likely that if you're engaging autopilot, you're going to be the only one, maybe like a small number of other people. But um, as we've seen recently with the terrorist attack in in France, if you have uh, a large, heavy vehicle that goes out of control, then it becomes more of the autopilot becomes other people's problems a lot more so than it would be with a single occupant vehicle.
1: Yeah, that's true. Definitely a lot more dangerous um, overall. With the, the the physics of stopping a sixty ton, eighty ton vehicle are very different than stopping a two ton vehicle. Um, a lot more
0: energy to stop. Until we get some sort of anti gravity drive or, or something more exciting.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think that uh, w- one last thing I just wanted to point out or sort of call out is that, um, you know, the motors themselves to make the vehicle happen, you know, there's already more powerful horsepower motors. And, um,
0: and so getting more torque out of motors is, is, uh, is super, ver- is very possible. Certainly with the, with the electric motors, they could just put them in, in every single wheel too, right? Like instead of having a transmission model, you could just put them right on the wheels too and multiply by. six wheels you might have? Yeah. So I think they they may have, instead of
1: like a dual motor semi and maybe a quad motor or octuplet motor in the tractor. Um, And so they don't necessarily even have to change that much about how they've been manufacturing their motors, which would be really interesting if they go to a model of sort of the highest performance motors they're using in their model X, but just times eight um, that could potentially provide enough uh, thrust and then on the battery pack side is some some guys on uh, reddit and some physicists i was looking at um who are well self-proclaimed physicists we'll see if they actually are <laughs> uh, was it sort of calculating that you'd need for about a for about a 750 or 800 mile range uh, semi you'd need about um 1500 to 2000 kilowatt hours um so about 15 to 20 times the battery pack size of what's in a Tesla today. Um, and so you most likely need to put that either somewhere in, in the cab, but also maybe in the trailers. And so then the trailers become swappable and assets as well that
0: you, you move around.
1: Um, so that'll be really fast.
0: Surely they can't be talking about changing the trailers, though. Like the whole the whole benefit of the industry is that the tractors are interchangeable and you can just pick up trailers wherever you go. It seems like hey, as soon as you start trying to do something different with the trailers, then you get into a whole, whole separate equation.
1: Yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't know that's another point that has, is a big question mark of what do they do there? Because obviously, yeah, there are trailers that are there are different configuration trailers, um, and there are some base platform ones that you can then do other things with. But yeah, most of the time you see these guys towing around other people's trailers. So how they're going to fit all of that in a in the in the truck, I guess there's they're going to have to stack the batteries in different ways. So that'll be really fascinating to understand. But it does look like back of the envelope, it would be possible to make this thing. Um, with the current technology, with the Gigafactory, factory um, So
0: physics doesn't seem to be holding the back right
1: now. No, but there were questions. I mean, there were people just not sure that this would even be possible that you right. could, uh, create, have enough, you know, in a, in something that wouldn't cost a million dollars. Um, but it, it looks like it'd probably be a, a 50 to a hundred, $200,000 more than the current ones. But over the cost over the lifetime, maybe be able to save you a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, in, in total cost of ownership. So, and that's just the one that could launch now, obviously the cost curves keep coming down over time. So, um, that, that doing some of that math over the past week was nice to see, um, that it does seem plausible, um, and possible, uh, from, you know, where this is going to be, that it's not some crazy niche product that it could potentially (laughs) be a straight line competitor for, for semi trucks. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was semi-interesting. I am not sure how to interpret that, but I will move forward anyways. You could say it was semi-exciting. Semi-exciting and I'm, uh, I'm (laughs) semi-buzzed. Still have half my drink. I didn't drink too much tonight.
0: All right. Well, let's let's bring this semi in for a landing here. In for a
1: park job. Um, so yeah, if, uh, if anyone wants to share some of their thoughts, if anyone who's a listener does drive a truck professionally would love to hear from you. What do you think about the semi announcement? Yeah, um, yeah. Like how old is your truck? How long do you have it? Like any stats about how you sort of run your business would be really fascinating because I, I had a hard time finding too much on there online about, um, people sharing, uh, their, their sort of, uh, stories. So, would love to know about that. Um, and you can let us know about it on Twitter at the Tesla show, uh, and also on our website, uh, the Tesla show.com. And if you're into Reddit, where have a subreddit, there r slash the Tesla show where you can, uh, conversate on our posts, um, that we post every episode as well as get our drink recipes for the beverages. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later and uh, have a good one, Mike. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.